Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Fuse, a bomb podcast. In each episode, we bring together artists across disciplines to discuss their work and creative practice. We've been taking this approach since 1981, delivering the artist's voice. Here's how it works. We invite a distinguished voice in visual art, literature, film, music, or performance for a conversation with whomever they'd most like to speak with. No host, no moderator, no interruptions. Just two artists in conversation. For this episode, we asked performance artist Becca Blackwell who they'd most like to speak with. When Bob asked me an artist to speak to, I f- my immediate thought was Oakley because uh, I had seen her perform and I had never seen anyone um, of my peer group and artists that I was surrounded by who was going to such a magical, deep place that spoke to humanity and not, uh, even though she was speaking for something very specific, she spoke past that specificity into something which I hope we all can get to one day. Okwi Okpokwasili is a performer, choreographer, writer, and a genre-breaking figure in New York's experimental dance scene. Her productions include Bronx Gothic and Poor People's TV Room. In 2018, she received a MacArthur Fellowship. Becca Blackwell is a New York-based trans actor, performer, and writer. Their play, They, Themself, and Schmerm, has been presented across the country. They have collaborated with Young Jean Lee, Noah Baumbach, and Richard Maxwell, among others. Blackwell was the recipient of a 2015 Doris Duke Impact Award. The two performers discuss how they build relationships with their audiences, challenging gender norms, fighting fear with art making, and the power of body language in their work. That's so beautiful. And that's the whole thing about decentering. It's like when I read crime and punishment or I read Moby Dick I don't need him to be a black man right but he's speaking specifically from his place yeah, the brothers but, Karlatsov, yes, another one right, I was right. like why I is love, this speaking exactly. to me that's right that's <laughs> like, right yeah I'm like I think that's authenticity is what we're always seeking right right my name is Becca Blackwell uh, the preferred pronoun I use is they and them, but I still got she and he and me. <laughs> um, my name is Okuyokpokwasili, and my preferred pronoun is she and her. Um, though when sometimes people look at me, they still say he. Your energy to me is, is so, like, woman power. Yeah, but I don't know. I think maybe we're going to get to a place soon where we do start to completely dismantle all of those yeah. gender, that gender space. And I'm happy to do that. Yeah. You know, I know some people say maybe we should call everybody they, you know. Yeah. 
I have to contend with why it's so frustrating when people call me he. Um, but I think that comes from a f- place of being a tall black woman who yeah. doesn't necessarily fall into the standard norms of beauty or femininity. And then the connection of um, black women in this country being outside of also the protection and the norms of femininity because, you know, the legacy of slavery kept black women in the space of sort of animal chattel, or in fact, they were, you know, occupied that vestibular space that where human beings were either, you know, became chattel, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it was out of the wombs of black women that you were destined to be a slave, right? I think that's interesting because when I, before I've, allowed myself to transition like medically i would yell at people to call me she too because part of me was like no she is expansive and she can encompass many different kinds of bodies there was a part of me that felt like if i transitioned i'd be a bad feminist Mm. so then i was always like i can't do that i can't do that so i had to hold on to like right why can't that woman she space encompass um masculine bodies that's masculine bodies right with a head vaginas or whatever right right because that is also this question when we when i look at particularly like kind of sort of um um, femme you know people who were identified or or biologically um, identified at birth as male Mm -hmm. but are definitely kind of more psychically and chemically and you know, um, gender, consciously, I, yeah, consciously yeah. female. Yeah. Sometimes I would be like, well, why do, why is it that sometimes those represented those representations of that femininity also ascribe to this very traditional femme body, yeah. like the hair, the boot, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so the walk, the sway, right, right. And so it's, but it's true that then there are the folks who are saying they them who refuse also that, who are doing it. You feel there are some people who have a hybridity. Yeah. Right, and so that, but it's true that sometimes, especially when I look at maybe popular figures who I'm so excited about and I love that they occupy that space, especially when we're ta- when I'm thinking of um, uh, black femme, um, black transgender femme women and how they are murdered and in such... I mean, that's... No, I know. I mean... Um, everything, I mean, as a de- person who's a Dallas, everything's connected. Yes. And if you're not seeing, you know, every how everything is... Like, I'm connected to everything that's painful as much as I'm connected to all the thing that's wonderful. And I right. have to see. And I see, if I see it on the street, I know it lives in my body. Mm, mm. And right. And so that's why I see that and I want to, I want to celebrate them. And celebrate that spirit and celebrate a moment like their freedom and know that it comes at a cost. Um, So I have to put aside my feelings like, why do you have to represent in this way that feels kind of regressively feminine? Yeah. You know, my compassion opened up when I started to radically change my body. You know, like I used to feel very similar in that way. And I still do. I have to catch myself. You know, it's very complicated and where you are in the world that is kind of your viewpoint advantage of it right so i'm always having to like remind myself that i you know have a white body and it's masculine right and it's a rectangle you know <laughs> and and so when i'm walking down the street it's not a rectangle, actually. <laughs> you have <laughs> i have curves <laughs> to the listener i have curves <laughs> 
Yeah, like to, to me, that's something that I always have to remember. And then now I look like the guy, f everyone's nightmare of a white guy, like kind of 8chan dude. That's right. Right? So then I'm like looking at but the... But I know you, Becky. Right. Everyone's like, I know. But, but it is, I was walking, I was at a queer club, lesbian night specifically. I think they still have those. Um, and uh, someone pushed me across the room and said, get out of here, white boy. Yeah. And yeah. it was really interesting, all the thoughts that went through. So my first thought was oh no i'm i'm my body's in, is 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 making them feel uncomfortable but i was like but that was a really aggressive move you know right to push you across right. the room and it felt emboldened with i'm surrounded by queer people so this white boy's got to get out of here right so then i was like uh, then i got angry and then i turned around i remember looking at her and being like she's not even from new york she's going to tell me yeah, i can tell by her clothes <laughs> it was like my <laughs> What then? It's like it's not even about radicalism. Yeah, it's more yeah. about like what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember this neighborhood when no one would even walk around here. You right. know, like now it's like hipster beyond hipster beyond hipster. You know, I mean that was just something really like I had to take in. And then I I, I work out. You know, I train with dudes because I'm all jacked up with testosterone, and I'm working out with these guys. And they're it's a very mixed group of men. They're wonderful. But I said I told them what happened. They said, "Yo, you did it. Yo, you did it. Like you look like." <laughs> You passed. You passed. <laughs> and I just Fucking was like, passed. whoa, that is, that's wild, yeah. you know? But that's the whole thing. Like, I don't want to take on the position and the, I don't want to be like, my liberation entails the need to take on the position of the oppressor. Like, I don't want to just I, assume I, the, I know. you know what I mean? I don't want to just like, okay, I've kicked you off the throne. Now I get to sit on the throne. We need to dismantle that whole fucking throne. Well, I think right? that's a lot of, once you know, yeah. it, this is where you realize everyone is, equal it's like wh whoever's in the position of power if you put yourself on that or think you're there then you are putting people underneath you right right so what does equity deeply look like right i, don't, right. I think it's complicated and it's not like and i think we as humans want things to push up against and mm -hmm. we want a them right right i've just noticed a lot of white guys recently being like this is so fear I, unfair i feel like i'm being squeezed out i feel like and i'm like no you're learning how to share and that's complicated because if you come up the world a certain way you well you're learning you didn't possess it to begin with right like do you, well, know what I mean? you yes, didn't rightfully exactly. possess it right. or this is what is you know An entitlement i guess yeah like, yeah and it feels to maybe them they f it feels unfair and at the squeezing out it's just like you're not being squeezed out you're just not in the center right well that yeah right? right it's like i mean maybe that's the thing about equity right a loss of center Even though I have to say, when a white guy who looks a little bit, I mean, see, and I see you and I look at your eyes, yeah, and I mean, they have so much like pathos. And, but like, that's when people know I'm them. not a man. Ooh. Every time, every single Damn. time. When people look into my eyes, both men and women look at me and go, wait, you're not a man. Or you weren't biologically. Right. Like, There's what, something what, about that you them that's. Biologically like, raised. I didn't and, get right. socialized as a man. Right. Because I look deep into people's eyes. And that's something that men have a really hard time with. Fuck. And when I look at men in my that's men in deep, eye to eye, yo, they look at me kind of like, okay, you can stop looking at me like that, you know, because it's hard. Because we we've taught men to not 
to not to be afraid of vulnerability. Yeah. When vulnerability is actually powerful and feminine, but that's not something we encourage for, you know, men assigned male at birth or people who were assigned yeah, yeah that's right assigned yeah. a particular gender AFAB, yeah male AMAB. yeah so there's all kinds of i love that acronyms sounds like bees and stuff amab <laughs> you know i mean i feel like it's like a mother bee or something totally i love that idea but i think in the downtown new york scene i mean i my i was technically an actor but the world didn't know what to do with me as an actor so i became more of a performance artist and then my performance arts became activism through Jennifer Miller's Circus of Muck and also just my body weirdly freaking people out. Um, and then, you know, obviously I had to write my own stuff. So then you become all these titles. Like, what do you... Right, because Becca, I mean, I feel like I don't know that I know your performance right. work as much as I know the work that you've done with... Other artists. Well, Young yeah. Jean Lee yeah. and Tina Satter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, um, even though you clearly are a singular presence... But I do feel yeah. like you're an actor. Yeah, I will right? collaborate. Well, yeah, those those and t- and the Young Jean Lee was a collaboration piece, right? Yeah, because also that piece felt like okay, you're a singular performer, right? In occupying this world, and you feel like yeah. Um, I, I see the thing about performance. Are um, yeah, I think <laughs> I feel like uh, there are certain labels that are useful for people. And grant and, writing. And grant writing. <laughs> uh, and so sometimes I'll just allow people to do, to, to use these labels. Yeah. And w- Is this going to get me, me Without money? agreeing, I don't agree or disagree, right? Because I just feel like, well, it's true. I am trying to make in my work these kinds of, you know, um, um, I'm, I'm pulling from uh, multiple disciplines. Yeah. So it's all true, yeah. right? You know, because I do feel like the body is essential in my work, yeah. and I, 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 I am a mover, dancer, yeah, and, for or, sure, a oh dancer. But even sometimes I get uncomfortable with dance right, because you... I feel like then that seems to mean something to a lot of people, even though I think the dance world, you know, from um, from from um, um, Judson Church right, to yeah. to to even like Mintanaka or Urban Bushwoman. But, you know, I think people who have been doing dance practices have been, it's been super broad and flexible mm-hmm. and they've been yeah. finding multiple vocabularies where I feel like there, there are so many vocabularies that have been engaged and then challenged and then engaged. It's just, I feel like it's, so I, I I like to occupy that space because I feel like people keep interrogating yeah. what it means to dance, right? Yeah. Um, um, but sometimes with theater, I feel that the language around theater and what a pe- what makes theater can be so hard and conscripted mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. unmoving. But then obviously we do have like you know the Worcester Group. Um, we had you know, Richard Foreman. Totally. And you do have Circus Amok, which is yeah. circus theater. Yeah. And then, you know, or uh, what was it? The the Wow, the women. Oh, yeah, you know, Wow Cafe. Of, yeah. Wow Cafe. With Peggy or, Shaw. And, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or um, um, you know, like Intazaki Shange. Oh, totally, and, um, yeah, yeah. Um, um, Anna oh, DeVere Smith. Girls, absolutely, yeah. I mean, those So were, there's this whole, so you do feel like there also to, was to me, this that's world theater. around, the, yes. yes. Like, However, that's funny, but not it's not traditional what we see. Like, it's not off-Broadway or Broadway to me. That's not theater. That's commercial. I see theater as like interesting. Yeah, I mean, but I was never wonder if it can in. all hold. If, if like, why can't it? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, commercial is. I guess I should think about commercial theater as being about 
a practice because I'm I guess I was thinking about a particular practice right mm. like I'm thinking mm-hmm. about um, in commercial theater there is a certain relationship set up between the audience and the uh, performer mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Mm. yes I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that I don't want to say that commercial theater isn't theater I do want I just want to think about the particular strategies and practices yeah. within how commercial theater is made. So I don't mm-hmm. want to say no to that, but I, I wish that, you know, the stuff that we were doing downtown also is included in that. And the legacy of all of the folks, I mean, think Robbie McCauley too. I mean, Karen Marie Finley. Irene Fornes. I mean, even or, John Greer and like uh, uh, Edward Albee would talk about how she actually was probably the better playwright wow. than all of them. But there was no, but they wouldn't re- make But she wasn't, yeah, but she, yeah, her, her work, again. Or Susan Laurie Parks. Susan, oh, her, well, yeah. she's now, I feel, like, I feel like she's kind of the Arthur Miller of like, huh. But she's got a, and the signature theater does all of her work. Yeah, I mean, the so it's signature like, theater was picking up some Adrian Kennedy. Yeah, they're, I mean, like they're, they did a whole. Did they do a whole season of Adrian? No, maybe not. But, but yeah, they did uh, Funny House of a Negro. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the signature theater is kind of picking up a lot of. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I, I it's like I always Would think you call that commercial theater. Well, I always think the closer you get to the sun, you get a little further away from what the truth of what where it came from. Well, that's interesting, too, because even when I think, okay, well, who's really, are there really more parts for um, trans uh, I'm thinking women of, like, of co- pose. Trans women of color right versus, right, versus uh, white women of... Or of any, tran- I think of any... Trans, trans... Uh, masculine. Tra- masculine right. men, uh, women. Well, sorry. Trans... <laughs> people who were, by a lot, like, who were um, assigned the gender of woman. Right, yeah. Who... Um, who actually identify as male mm. now that you feel like there aren't there there are less parts how you know for yeah. trans men for white trans men uh, well, I don't even are. care about white trans men I guess because it's like well I mean I, I shouldn't say that I don't, it's not that I don't care I think it's just that what uh, do you consider do you even call yourself anything I don't this yeah. is like is I, that's a shmurm yeah shmurm I think shmurm, that shmurm, describes shmurm. to the same question before like I have many inter- and many disciplines that I connect to because it's like how do I get what I'm trying to say across Yes, the exactly. same way I'm like I have a meat carcass and how is it going to move in the world that I can get the most done without the most right. pain <laughs> okay, I might use men and women. I just want you to know because I just started into comedy and I'm not really good at rhythms yet. So to say like intersex, pansexual, non-binary, gender conforming, I it just kind of loses the joke. So <laughs> just bear with me, PC police. I'm going to say men and women, but we all know it means many different things. Okay? Help me out. I haven't done the work. I'm a man now. So <laughs> your Taoist the meat carcass part because it's like I so don't want to be a carcass because I guess we have a legacy of having been carcasses and how about this earth tent is that better (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know. It's still an inanimate object, and so I have these issues with that. Sure. But I think that I'm think just I'm just thinking about like this whole issue too. For me, is when I think about this the the work that I do. When yes. I think about kind of why I want to hold the kind of uh, 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 the multidisciplinary space. Why I want to kind of always be slipping under and around these labels, yes. like at the same time um, as I am located in them, is because I want that balance. I want that recognition of like um, the, at so uh, you know, there's only so much talking you can do yeah. before it's time to sing. Yeah, <laughs> before your body um, is going gonna have paroxysms and shudders is that of what? anguish, right? And so I've talked so much, but now this is what's happening to now instead of verbally talking, instead of tongue talking, now my belly has to talk. Now, you know, yeah. that just sent something to my rib cage. And then yeah. now that just sent something to, uh, now that's traveling through my feet. And once that's, that's done, you know what I mean? Then there's some kind of um, energetic rippling in the room and in the air there is some traveling back through my mouth and the tongue can talk again so i want to make the space for that that whole yeah sort of fabric and it's so so i do like that sense of balance or useful imbalance that brings you back you know what i mean and i think I artists like are always trying the, to do that yeah yeah i mean that's what what i i mean the reason why i wanted to talk to you is because when i saw your work that piece, Bronx Gothic, it spoke to me. And the same, like, it spoke to me as, as a human, as an artist. Bronx Gothic is the solo piece that I did um, that uh, did center the kind of sexual awakening of this young girl growing up in the Bronx. Oakley's job is to scare people, just to scare them to kind of wake up. We have been acculturated to watching brown bodies in pain. I'm asking you to see the brown body. I'm gonna be falling, hitting a hardwood floor. And hopefully there is a flood of feeling for a brown body in pain. <sighs> You're occupying a space where violence and a kind of um, desire are entangled. The Bronx Gothic feels so deeply personal. I felt like this little girl again. I love yourself as a brown girl. <laughs> There are questions of trauma, a sense of split and fragmentation, and um, there's really an attempt at remembering what mm. the body is, what love is. But Bronx Gothic is also trying to do this. It's trying to do this in a way that is also very physical, yeah. right? Because the first half hour is just... The shaking. The shake. Well, that's what I was going to... half an hour of a shake. I call it the quake. And it comes from me thinking about growing up in the Bronx and sexually precocious girls, but also thinking about how... Um, who we called a slut and who we didn't call a slut. And who, and, and also s witnessing a lot of sexual abuse in public. Oh, I know, yeah. And not knowing that it was that. Yeah. Like, I was talking to people, because I just did Bronx Gothic six days a week for a month. 
Holy at the shit. Young Vic. Yes. And so I didn't know that I could do it. I said, or I knew I could do it, but like, how would that happen? Yeah. And it happened. And I was really kind of, I was like, that happened. It won't happen again. But wow, that happened. <laughs> yeah. And I was thinking about how um, when I was in grade school, I realized, I started to realize what sexual abuse might be when sometimes, you know, there are always these little boys that would, the, as boys were getting older, they would dry hump girls mm -hmm. in different parts of the school mm -hmm. or in the playground, in the backyard. Totally. And there was one girl, I remember that she was, you know, they used to call her names. They called her ugly. She wasn't particularly considered attractive. She, uh, yeah. you know, buck teeth and like, yeah. um, and they used to really make fun of her. And I remember there was one day in the schoolyard, they were dry humping her against, um, against a fence. Mm -hmm. There were like about four or five of them taking turns doing this. And she was like screaming. And I remember... And we also went to, we, we went up to um, an adult because there were adults that were around. They were yeah. just like, ah, you know, we went up and he was like, just whatever, leave me alone. I'm five minutes. You guys have to get online. And so completely the adult wasn't interested in what was happening yeah. to her. No one cared. And I thought, oh, they're not doing this because they like her because I know that they don't like her. And sometimes you would see them doing it to girls and think, oh, it's because they like them. Right, right. You know, but I remember thinking, what does that mean that they're dry humping her against the fence. She's yelling. She's saying stop. They're not stopping. And I know they don't like her. This is a way that they're kind of showing her that they don't like her. Right. Do you know what I mean? It was starting yeah. to, like this idea of abuse, you know, and I must have been, again, like 10 or 11. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But I realized that we didn't have language for that then. Yeah, and I yeah. feel like Bronx Gothic is also, was also trying to, disentangled this yeah and it's using the body and language to disentangle to do it, it. right can the well, body hold all of this and do it or yeah. we lost tony morrison you know sunday uh, and yeah. the bluest eye is like yeah. i hadn't even read of the bluest eye then i didn't know that i feel like why aren't people making young girls young black girls in schools Read the fucking bluest eye. I mean, I know why the Cage Bird sings was the first time this I'd ever another. read uh, someone about being someone being molested, and that was a huge influence for me. And I read that at fourteen. I, I like I remember sitting. It was in detention, and I remember just sobbing because I was like, I've never had anyone. So it's funny because uh, for me, feeling maybe a bit like an outlier. It's always been black artists that I've who've spoken for me in a way, or it felt like I'm about to cry, but <laughs> but it's it's that kind of thing, like people who who speak truth outside of the, the norm. And that, I think, that's where artists kind of are hopefully reaching out to each other. Or to, to people who, you never know who's going to be the person that you're speaking to. That's right, that's yeah. right. Or like this idea even that pain, I'm not going to run away from pain. No, right? and So no, that's no, the thing no, about no. also raising a child. I'm yeah. like, we have to be ready for pain, but also, how does that pain become of some kind of use yeah. towards a kind of goodness. Well, of course, because right? I, I mean, right, that's uh, what's his name? Mr. Rogers always said, you can see the, the, the sadness of the, of the tragedy, but you could also notice that people are running into danger to help.
I think my work is really not when I'm writing and thinking of the text language or the tongue language. You know, I'm not necessarily thinking so much about um, translating shit for people. Yeah. Um, I'm not thinking that, oh, I'm writing for a white audience. I'm not thinking about that. But I am. But, That's one of my questions. But often I want to be <laughs> like, um, I, you're looking at me, but I'm looking at you too. Totally. Right? And yeah. what, what is the kind of, what is that reverberation, you know, between this, this returned gaze? Yeah. Right? This, this, this kind of dual specularity. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I'm not going to be, yeah. When yeah. you make your, when you made Brock's Gothic, um, and was your husband very uh, present in the process? He was, he was present. He was absolutely present. With the writing and, and stuff? Or? No, the writing was pretty much yeah. just me. But the beautiful thing about Peter, the beautiful thing about my husband as a collaborator, for him, the more obscure, <laughs> the better. Mm -hmm. Like, as long as it has a kind of psychic and emotional energy, mm -hmm. he doesn't want to know exactly where you're going. Right. Nice. So sometimes I've been in a room and I know people, I feel like I hear people talk about legibility or just letting you know, maybe the audience isn't with you here or there. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think that's cool. And some people, like I said, they need to know where the audience is and either to undermine or, or um, undergird whatever that belief the audience is holding is. But I feel like my husband is someone who really doesn't want to know where you're going. Yeah. So it's kind of a nice person to work with yeah because so you don't like, feel so you don't I've compromise never, anything that's right yeah so he's with him he's he's more trying to it's like a sense he has a sense it's like i'm i'm i want to i'm what's this he's just yeah and do when you tour do you feel like you ever alter any of the work for this audiences that you're yeah, seeing yeah no good yeah that's good to hear that's a lot more work for me no yeah yeah and i think yeah but it's so interesting, Becca. I have to say that when you talked about your experience in doing this kind of almost commercial theater piece, yeah. eight days a week, and that yeah. it's for the producer, and it's true in a way as an actor, yeah, you're a little your labor. Well, right? yeah, well, there's no value to actors because they're a dime a dozen. So no one. I mean, I think there's people on Broadway when you're good, you know, but those guys are having to do so much labor and work. I mean, and I. I've just really seen. I mean, I, I don't. Did you see a strange loop, Michael Jackson musical? It's incredible. I missed that. Yeah, it's okay. But one of the the lead performer, Larry Owens, what happened to his body? Watching him and knowing how much he was getting paid and knowing what kind of he put his body through, and I was just like, no one values that, you know. And I, I, he, what you hope out of that as an actor is that you're going to get more work, right? As an actor, right? You know, and not about anyone valuing your artist or you're going to get on a TV show and you can get rich or whatever. Right. Right. And or not even get rich just be able to pay, <laughs> pay rent, rent for a couple. Yeah. And go on a vacation once. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, think I mean, that so in your work, do you feel what is what, when you're doing your own solo work, are you addressing <laughs> also, are you also looking at like performative, like the kind of the landscape of performance and who is valued and not valued? I mean, a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think when I, when I did my solo show out of uh, a fact that I was having to teach audiences how to see my body, you know? So, I mean, I, I know you understand this. So it's like people are like, well, I don't know what to do with you. It's just what I heard from every agent up until trans became hot. And then they're like, 
it's like all my great black actors of the 90s where they were just like, really? I trained at the fucking Royal Shakespeare Academy. You're going to have me play what? You know, because there was only like, you know, white writers only could see three options because they had no idea of a, a community at all. And so that's how I felt. Like a lot of writing with trans, you're just like, what? Like, I, we don't walk around and talk like that, you know? But it's just like, oh, well, we're writing for the straight audiences to understand you so that you can be introduced into the world, you know? Right, like, right. You're just like, oh, my God. But, yeah, so that was kind of where they themselves and Shmurm came from, which was just me being like, okay, well, let me just show the world a body that is they're just, like, scratching their head at and make fun of the fact that, you know, I've been walking around for 46 years here I am. I can't believe I figured it out. Thank God you guys are <laughs> it's just like I had one agent say to me once, um, well, would you be willing to wear this is before I took any testosterone, would you be willing to wear a wig or uh like a pantsuit? And I was like, What the fuck are you gonna have me audition for Hillary Clinton? This is like in two thousand and eleven or twelve. And then she was just like, No, I want you to audition for like a lawyer on Law and Order. And I was like, well, she better go down down tell all the radical dykes and their like short hair that are lawyers right now that they better put on a wig and some pantsuits to be taken serious as a lawyer. Because this is when you just realize that the that the way the entertainment or that world is like again, it's what we it goes back to the beginning of our conversation. Like this is the world we were prescribed of these are the ways that these bodies or these people are and how they exist. And you're constantly having have artists be like mm, mm, no 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 and i think it's like i think for me i guess part of my pieces too when i work is i don't want to make it any easier for you to figure yeah. out where to put me yeah i refuse to be put i mean that's what young you know jean I mean? would do with like, the talkbacks all the time she's like what you know you see her right she'll be like so what did you think when that part happened and you know a lot of people are like bleh, bleh. and then i thought well that's gonna happen she's like great great we're gonna change that so <laughs> that'll never happen you know and i think that's like it took her a long time to get that kind of clout where she could do that, where it, her audiences would come there like, I mean, when we first did Untitled Feminist Show, I remember them, one of the guys says like, I thought you were going to throw use tampons at us. And I'm like, well, that's every guy's dream of what right, we're, right. angry women Big are going to do. Big Live Young does that anyway. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. It's like yeah, Gigi Allen, you threw shit at you like in the yeah, 80s. Yeah, yeah, we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I guess I'm, I... I'm someone, and maybe this is why my husband and I are good partners. I still want the performance space. I want people, I want it to be a confounding space. I think that's, I don't want people to come in there with any sense of certainty about my body, about their bodies, about what happened. Yeah. I want them to kind of be like, yeah. I think more of us need to go into spaces and come out a little bit uncertain and be able to live and be okay with that uncertainty. Right. And also not expect yeah. it's like I go in here and now like it's 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 like you go into a performance space and um, a meal has been prepared for you and <laughs> they have labeled what everything is exactly what's in it and what's going to happen to you when you eat it. And da, da, da. I'm like, no, yeah. I've made something. I'm going to share it. I have no idea what's going to happen to you. And I don't it's not half of the time. I don't know what's going to happen to me. Yeah. And then. And afterwards, we'll, you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out how it resides in you. I'm like, I, w- I want to I operate on the back of the mind. Yeah. I want to operate 
somewhere in the reptilian space is yeah. just I mean sure also in the intellectual space and the cerebral and the cerebellum but I also want to really be I, I want to occupy being present yeah yeah and what's experiencing right now I think there's a lot yeah we I mean I think a lot of helicopter parenting and stuff I mean we probably grew up at the same time where Oh, they it, just let you run yeah, around. Yeah, run around. We didn't use car seats, you know. Like. Well, the playgrounds were just fucking concrete. Right. Now they're all padded with rubber, which as a parent, I kind of appreciate. Well, yeah, I, well, I was going to say, I was going to ask you about being a parent. <laughs> How did that change? Did that change the way you experience the world as an artist? Did that mm. affect the kind of language and things you want to talk about? I am that helicopter parent, by yeah. the way, I think. Even though I'm like, it's okay for her to get hurt. Physically, like fall down. Yeah, You'll be yeah, like, fall yeah, down, stuff like step this. Step up, baby. You got you know, you're all right. That kind of not from high distances though. It's true. <laughs> if I see her and she loves to climb, she is quite uh, experimental, and um, uh, she's a freaking you know, she's like, um, she's like, I'm a secret spy. People don't know this about me, <laughs> and she's like, now I've got to, you know, she has this idea too that she has to learn to to do parkour if she's yeah. going to be a spy because all spies know parkour, which I'm kind of like, <laughs> no, actually. That's that's not what all spies do, but you've watched a lot of action movies, and that's what they do, right? right in James Bond, but uh, yeah, no, I I as an artist, how is being? It's oh gosh, I because mean, when we met, you were she's yeah. about two. Yeah, I mean, I was making Bronx Gothic. Well, I was writing it while I was pregnant. pregnant. Yeah, and so I, I think that, that there's a kind of urgency mm. that also comes out. I'm just like, this is, you know. There's a again, it's that present. I've always understood or hoped to try to find a sense of presence right. in performance. Yeah. But I think definitely with children, there's that thing of like, are you present or are you? Because mm -hmm. they know when you're not. Yeah. You know, they know I mean? when and you're so just maybe it does it works phoning that it muscle. in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They know you're not listening yeah. and, 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 and or you're not there. Mm -hmm. in part by the generous support of the Pannonia Foundation. This episode was recorded at Brooklyn Podcasting Studio. Fuse is produced by Libby Flores, Director of Audience Development and Digital Production at BOM. It is co-produced and edited by Mira Al-Rahim and Sophie Kazis, with production assistance by Ethan Primison. I'm Chantal McStay, Associate Editor at BOM Magazine. Our theme music is Black Origami by Jalen. Additional music by Ray Swen. Be sure to subscribe to Fuse wherever you listen. <laughs>